Today's episode of Talk Sex with Dick was recorded before the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. Today's music, 53 Christopher Street, was written and produced by Van Hector and DJ Chauncey D. Feel free to go in and download on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you choose to enjoy your music. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy today. Hi, my name is Dr. Richard Mills, and you are listening to Talk Sex with Dick. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. Her name is Karen Cynical. Welcome, Karen. Thanks, Richie. Mm, We are excited to have her here with us today. We are here today at the Iris Kaplan Center, which is on the corner of 30th and 5th Avenue. So if you are in the area and you would like to stop by, we have yoga and Thai massage and all those wonderful things that are that make us what and who we are. But before we go real deep into it and why we have Karen here, um, just to read over her profile. Uh, so she is a MDiv, which is a, she has a master's in divinity. Is that right? That's right. Indeed I do. So if you want to talk about the Lord, she is here to talk about it with you today. We might have some church up here. And uh, she's also a psychoanalyst. She's licensed in New York State. And um, so if you want to come in her office and just get deep into the psychology of what is going on and uh, why you are, the reason you are, and the way you are. And just like Karen, that subconscious part of our brain. That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. So, her role as a therapist is to help people identify the emotional and relational patterns, which we can go on forever about that. But also, um, she helps people identify why they're stuck and to move on from that stuckness and to live their life to the fullest. She works to understand patterns and the way in which things are manifested and releasing what is blocked in your mental, emotional, spiritual life. Um, Yeah, and so we're happy to... She looks at that unconscious mind, so you just be careful when you're sitting next to her because she might be analyzing you. (laughs) No, but if after today's show, you would like to connect with Karen, you can find her on at uh, Karen Cynical, K-A-R-E-N, Cynical, S-E-N-E-C-A-L, 
therapy.com and yeah so uh and you can find out all about her she has a blog she talks about her self her about me where she's located what she does are you on uh, Instagram? Or? I am not. Oh, well, that's where the kids are today. That is where the kids are today. You know, when I started getting into this business, Instagram, I was told, is where all the kids hang out. Okay. And then Facebook is for the older folks. Ah. But I use Facebook more than Instagram. <laughs> so if you'd like to connect, she is not on Instagram, but you go to her, KarenCynicalTherapy.com. And she, is that right? That's correct. And she will talk to you more. But today, the reason, you know, and I'm in, this is going to be a vulnerable episode, because mm. I think we are dealing with something that is very, um, that is, is very, how do you say, it is very sensitive, mm. and I think that it is important that it is treated with sensitivity, and the reason that I wanted to have you on the show was to talk about your experiences Mm -hmm. and I will share some of my experiences you know I always think it's funny when you know we ask our clients to share but we're not willing to share anything about ourselves absolutely right so today the title of today's episode is Becoming mother without playing it straight. Mm-hmm. Becoming mother without playing it straight. And thank you for sharing. It was a paper that you wrote. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it was moving. I felt parts of myself were in this situation. I was walking in that with you. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit, why did you pick the title of that paper? That's a good question, Richie. I wrote the paper initially because I wanted to write about the experience of what it feels to be other. And I know that so many people grapple with that, and I wanted to grapple with my own sense of otherness. So I wrote about what it was like to be the non-biological mother in a two-mommy household. Okay, so ladies back home, she is a lesbian. That is correct. Um, you know, I you know, I used to play. I have a big respect for the lesbian community. Did you know, well, Karen, you might not know, but I used to be in a band. Well, I was in my own band. I was just me. And if you want, I am on Spotify. Ooh. It's uh, me and radio. But Ooh. I would always, there was this woman, her name was Krista Martini. Literally no joke, her last name was Martini. Wow. And um, she was a lesbian. She is a lesbian. But I'll tell you what, those lesbians know how to show up. <laughs> they know how to pl- put you oh on the football team on the softball team even though you cannot play they will make you feel special so you are a lesbian yes mhm and so you and your now ex no, ex-spouse yes. you have two children we have two girls one is almost 13 and one is uh, 9 years old mm 
and this paper was uh, written when they were much younger. Sure. And what was that? You had this experience of feeling other. Mm-hmm. And tell, tell us about that experience. Should I give an example of how I felt other? Yeah. Is that helpful? I'll tell the story about when my oldest daughter was a few months old. She had had a seizure, so we had to go to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And she was crying and clinging to me. And the nurses said to me and my then partner, uh, who's the real mother? The real mother. The real mother. Even mm-hmm. though my daughter was clinging to me and I was comforting her, they asked, who's the real mother? Sure. So I said, we both are. Sure. They they both are. Right. And the response to the nurse was, no, who's the biological mother? Right. Because being a, a real m- mother to a lot of people maybe what is the biological that's right and i and i guess in some respects i understand why the medical community might need to know that but in the moment it was very othering yeah no i used to so some of the folks we have listeners all over the world so when i was when i was 15 or 14 i had gotten a woman pregnant Mm. and i remember you know, I was 15 at the time when wow. she was born. I mean, if you ride, if you read the book "Riding Cars with Boys," mm. my experience was um, kind of. I almost named my memoir "Riding in Cars with Girls" because mm. it was very like parallel to yeah. that experience. And I remember when my daughter Lake, who she was sitting there and I would like take her to the park and they would say, are you, is that your little sister? Oh, wow. And I'm like, no, that's my daughter. And I always felt that sense of because I was straight or gay that whenever she was very sick Mm-hmm. She had cystic fibrosis. That's right. And she eventually, she, so she passed away in March of 2018. And I remember those experiences of even when we were at the hospital, I always, even though the biological father was her stepfather, it was almost as though he was seen as, because he was straight, he was seen as the father. So he got more legitimacy than you did. He did. Mm-hmm. And when my daughter was 14, she was removed from her parents' house, right? Mind you, I had been paying child support ever since that kid was like, you know when me and her mother it had dissolved mm-hmm. and I remember I had received a call from the Department of Family and Children that's what they called it back in right. Indiana and they had said um, even though I was the biological father they had said that um, because I was gay 
right? And me and my daughter's relationship was a little bit estranged. Well, they didn't they didn't want her staying with me. Oh wow! I mean, this is like ten years ago. Uh-huh. This is like nine, ten years ago, and so. You know, I totally understand that. And I was like, but I'm the father. Right. And because I was gay, I was treated as the other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the deepness of this experience. That's right. I also had many times people assume that I was straight because I was the stay-at-home mom at the time and I would take my daughters to the playground and mm-hmm. women would ask me what my husband does. What your husband my does? My husband does. You know, when I met you, Karen, I didn't want to make any assumptions. <laughs> I said, uh, maybe, you know, I just don't want to make any assumptions. But then I said to Charlotte, I said, is she a lesbian? And she's like, yes, yes, she is affirmative, affirmative, collective (laughs) lesbian. So I didn't want to make any assumptions, but I assumed. But, you know, you never want to assume. That's true. We just don't know. Right. But so what did your so what does your husband do? Well, I don't have one, so he doesn't do much of anything. (laughs) So. So they used to ask you what your husband did. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would say things like, uh, I don't have a husband, or I would try to stay away from answering the question. And then I realized how um, invalidating that was for my children to not hear me say, you know, my partner's name is and give the female name sure or you know correct them and say that's you know that's not my family structure so right i mean this is the thing right this is it's it's not our job to correct right and provide an explanation that's true but I think that there's this expectation. So this was how many years? Like, so how what year was your daughter? The we, oldest we, was in 2006. Okay. She was born. So it's uh, almost 13 years ago. Was marriage legal then? No, not yet. So, I mean, I was just talking about this on a podcast previously uh, looking at the Supreme Court mm-hmm. decision of discrimination, right. but also looking at you know this how this plays a role in the bigger picture of mm-hmm. our experience. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point. Mm-hmm. So the marriage is, was not legal. It back was not then. legal at the time. So I adopted both of my children as a second parent adoption. Sure. To make sure that you know, God forbid anything happened, my children wouldn't be taken away from me. I mean, straight privilege is really a thing. It is a thing. And and, and even though it's, you know, straight, like, people don't understand, like, if you're heterosexual and you have, let's say both individuals are able to reproduce. Right. It's a lot easier to have a baby. Right. And, like, the gays... Like, all these adoption agencies right now that are um, 
like denying adoption. Right. Okay, so let's just break it down. Okay. A dink is a dual income no kids, right? <laughs> That's what. So you have all these like gay men mm-hmm. or and lesbians uh-huh. that have a lot of expendable income. Right. So we go on vacations. Mm-hmm. What else do we do? We throw really nice parties. We throw parties. We're psychotherapists. Sure. like Providing we, for the community. Providing for the community. And these people, you see these agencies, right? And this is why it's so important with the Supreme Court is to, with this, you know, Civil Rights Act of 1964, that it's really, really important that we provide protection, especially for, you know, it always felt like my rights, even though I was a biological father, even mm-hmm. though I was paying child support for this child, that I was considered a second. Right. Not the primary parent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, that's and, not right. So, I mean... So that's, like, the challenge. That is the challenge. When we're, like, sitting in this, in this, like, space. Mm -hmm. And in this somewhat safe bubble of New York City, right? Sure. We don't, we don't think about, like, we, so in New York City, it's very, like, safer. Right. But when you're out there in the bigger world, it's not as safe. Mm Mm-hmm. This is true. You know, as I read your paper, you had talked about these incidences where you were sitting there and it was almost like your... What did that feel like, like your identity as a parent? It's like it was questioned almost. That's what I felt like, that my legitimacy was questioned was and up to question you know people felt like they had the right to question it yeah and again for the folks back home it is not our job to um it is not our job to provide you an education it is not our job to um sit and give you a civics class on gay and lesbian culture And it's also not our job to answer questions about Mm -hmm. what type of parents we are. Right. You know, it's like, you know, you often, though, it's like there's, I'm gay affirming. I got my friend Juan. He does my hair. That's right. right. That's right. But there's, it's it's more than that. And just because you have, and I use that as a stereotype, Mm -hmm. but just because... You, like, have friends that are gay. You know, when I was looking at watching Chelsea Handler's White Privilege documentary, um, and I always kind of struggled with the concept of white privilege. Uh Uh-huh. Like, but, like, and it was my own stuff that I needed to, like, squash. But I think it's not a, it's not the responsibility of communities of color to have conversations with us about white privilege. Correct. It's also not a conversation that it's not our responsibility to 
explain to people that are, you know, cis heterosexual people how they are privileged. That's right. That's their work to do. Sure. But, you know, in New York, I think it's very like we think of things as being like very normalized. Right. But what does that look like in the bigger picture? And in areas where it's not so normalized. Right. You know, to have um, same-sex couples having children in areas that maybe not so safe, you know, one thing that children bring into the relationship is that they, you can't really be in the closet anymore because kids will naturally want to out you because they don't know any better sure did you i remember so i'm gonna talk about my experience so when i was a little gay back in indiana i had moved um i had moved to uh bloomington because it was gay friendly Uh right but i remember coming out to my daughter Mm. And she was just so loud about it. Uh huh. And like she was like she didn't know how to like navigate the, but then she's like I already knew. Mm-hmm. You know the, they already know. But kids are really good about like outing you. They are. What was your experience? Well, I like remember that? being in rural Pennsylvania at Walmart. Very exciting times. Oh my god! Can I just tell you something? So I was up at Six Flags. Mm-hmm. And my friend had grabbed this, like, Batman hat that had, like, camouflage and, like, the Batman signal, like, logo was, like, American flag. And I said, put that down. It looks like you're voting for Donald Trump. (laughs) And uh, the sneer that this woman gave me in the store, I'm like, we are not a safe place. We are not in a safe place. Right. We're not in New York City anymore. That's right. We're not in New York anymore. We're in Jackson New Jersey. Right. Maybe Jacksonville. Anyways. You weren't in New York City. It's a whole new world. It's a whole new world. So you were up at the Walmart. I was up at the Walmart and my little one was in the uh, little sitting area of the shopping cart Uh and started talking to us, the mommies, and referring to both of us as the mommies. So everyone in the I knew she had two moms, which she was very proud of. Have you ever been to peopleofwalmart.com? No. It's, that's a whole sociological study. Huh. That, yeah. So you're up in the Walmart, probably, and so your child is talking about the mommies. Talking about the mommies quite naturally, right? And she doesn't know better. She doesn't know better. How old is she? At the time, maybe two and a half, three. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. And so she's, you know, it's just normal. You guys were living in New York at the time? We were. We were visiting my in-laws in rural Pennsylvania. Oh, jeez. You're up in Pennsylvania. And what was that like? What were you... I almost want to silence her, and I feel terrible about that. But I wanted her to take it down a notch. Yeah, because... I I was really afraid. I was afraid for our safety. I was afraid for maybe we would be verbally harassed. Sure. And I think that's like, if we're looking at like white privilege. Right. I think 
it's easier to understand it when you're not in a safe area. Mm-hmm. So like when I'm here in New York, I feel like I don't really feel that straight privilege. Right. But when I am back home. You feel it. I feel it. There's something about I'm looking around. Am I going to be assaulted? Right. Like, is something going to happen? Am, like, am I going to be safe? Right. And when you are sitting as a white heterosexual person, and we love our straights, mm-hmm. but if when you are sitting in an area where you don't have to worry, are you going to be physically, emotionally, in whatever other way violated. Right. I mean, you know, it was not very safe for me as a queer person to come out, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why I had to leave that small town. So you're up in... I'm in rural Pennsylvania, and to tell you the truth, I could have been safe. Maybe nobody cared, but it's... I don't. I didn't want to assume anything, and that's part of the scary part sometimes of being sure. gay and lesbian is we can't assume that it's safe for us. Sure, and we think that you know. I think we. It's like we do lose touch with. It's like wealthy people. Mm-hmm. They are so out of touch. Not every wealthy person, but many wealthy people. They're like so out of touch, right? So you have like all this like billionaires right and the watching the presidential debates and there's a billionaire who's on the ticket and he, you can tell that they are just so far removed mm-hmm. from, the from like the reality of like living and the struggle mm-hmm. and so why so you're sitting there and your child is saying the mommies right, right. and you're What's the feeling that's coming over you? The feeling is, again, one of, you know, I don't know if I'm safe here. Is my child safe? Am I safe? Mm -hmm. And like I said, you know, people there could have been very open-minded, but the feeling of not knowing is so scary. I mean, that is scary. You're sitting in a space where you could become victimized. Right. And so for people who are listening to this podcast... It really, you really have to understand this idea of privilege. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, being in, sitting in this courtroom and, you know, there's me and my attorneys, my wife, who, not my, it's so weird. I got married when I was 16 years old. Like, seriously. You're a baby. She was 21. That's a whole other story. That's a whole other podcast. Mm But, you know, so this kid, you have the Department of Family Children. You have my wife and her attorneys. You know, she wasn't removed from my home. She was mm. removed from her mother's mm-hmm. home because it was unfit. And you have me and my attorneys and my daughter and her. I mean, it was just like a lot of people in the room. Right. But because... I believe that had I been a heterosexual male, so they allowed the child to go back into the home. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand that there is 
straight privilege. That's right. You know, when we kind of look at these situations, it's really a piece that we have to be kind of aware. Mm Mm-hmm. Very much so. Mm. So your daughter went back to her mother, even though it was deemed unfit, instead Uh, of you? Well, you know, they clean, clean it up. They cleaned it up, right? Sure. You know... It's all clean and everything's, mm. but she was like strung out. Wow. You know, I mean, the, the, it's a big, long story, but. But you were denied custody, full custody. Well, we always had joint you custody. You had joint custody. Okay. But part of it is, is I believe that being a right queer person, and this is why it's important that, you know, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that sexuality and gender identity mm-hmm. are included are in that umbrella. Included. Right. And so I want to go out of the deep. Okay. And into the... So I want to talk about being... So you and your significant other, your wife. Right. You guys had divorced. We're separated. Separated. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Legally separated. Okay. So... Let's just, I want to go through some stereotypes okay. about, les- well, we Let's have a, a, a spokesperson for the lesbian community. A spokesperson for the lesbian community. Okay. I'm not sure how true that so is. So one of the stereotypes is like the U-Haul. Uh-huh. How long the did you? The second date U-Haul? Yes. Were, were you a second date U-Haul? Or? Almost, yeah. See, folks, it, it is possible. How it long were possible. you married for? 23 years. 20. Well, we were together 23 years, and legally we were married for five, I believe. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is about the U-Haul? I don't know. It's something about women get very attached very quickly. Sure. What is that about? So, do you do you date? I haven't been dating yet. Like, I'm being encouraged to date. Okay, so yet. where is the, like, lesbian primetime spots? Like, Michael's? Michaels, the like the <laughs> the arts and crafts place? arts and crafts places. Really? No, I'm just I'm being funny. Okay, I was like, well, I have a Michaels right near me. Okay, so you might. There. I'm sure maybe you could find a lesbian. Cruise around. Sure. For a new girlfriend. So, like, there's also one in Chelsea. Oh, that's but I think convenient. that's more like gay men uh, okay. that go there. But you're. But I'm in Brooklyn, so perhaps. The okay. Michaels in Brooklyn so is the place to go. What is it? Yeah. I mean, did you ever watch The L Word? I watched some seasons, yes. Loved it. They're actually bringing it back. Ooh. I love that show. Mm-hmm. I loved how they made sex not so pretty. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just two girls really just like going, going at, at, it. at it in oh. a way that does not look... You know, it's like very rough and aggressive. That's true. I love that. You love that part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's go over some like, so, so do you know how to fix? Like, are you good with tools? No, I don't know how to do that. that my partner was the one who fixed. Okay. So. I'm the one that does dishes and cleans up after the kids. Mm-hmm. So I would not say that you like appear like a... Are you, would you call yourself a femme? No. I would call myself more on the butch side of things. The butch and your girlfriend or your separated ex. part, ex-partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I would say she was more on the butch side, too, which is unusual. 
what was the two, so, two butch, two butch girls. girls just trying to make their way through the that's big right. city. That's right. So what was that? So okay, so you're not good with tools. No, not good with tools. Uh, what else am I not good at? That's a stereotype. What are well? What I are play th- the guitar. Well, there's <laughs> lots of lesbians <laughs> that play guitar. I know, but I don't play very well. But are you learning to play the guitar? I'm trying to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, can I acoustic? Tell? Of course. Sure. Lesbians <laughs> play. You know, I went to the Little Affair, and it was me. Ooh. Like it was like a sea of lesbians. Right. And like me. And you. <laughs> right? Um, I used to have lesbian slumber parties. Really? Mm-hmm. What did they look like? Well, it's just all my lesbian girlfriends got together and I was like invited to like be present with them. It was a lot of fun. Sounds fun. Everybody needs to have like a lesbian sleepover. Yeah. I've you... never even had one of those lesbian sleepover. I still do sleepovers with my friends. Wow, that's fun. As a thirty eight year old gay male. Uh-huh. Like we will do like a sleepover. Like it's I did wow. that for my thirty eighth birthday last year. Maybe I'll do that for my fiftieth. Yeah. Get some air mattresses. Oh, put them all out in the living room. So what is it so are there any other stereotypes or myths? that we need to address. To cover here? Let's see. Mm-hmm. See the other joke about lesbians. We always wear comfortable shoes, play softball. Are those shoes comfortable? They are comfortable. Okay. No stilettos for this girl. Sure. And when I was on the softball team, okay, can I tell you a funny story? Yes, please. So I was on a softball team, and but I was not very athletically inclined okay because my mom and dad you know we were very poor when Uh i was a kid and they didn't push sports Mm -hmm. right i sound like a cliche i didn't do sports unless i just want to bring an education just because you do sports does not make you um does not mean that you're going to be straight right that's true Mm mm-hmm and so they they let me out on the field. Okay. And I was really horrible. And they said, you know what? We still want you to, we're going to let you keep score. Oh, so scorekeeper. I was the scorekeeper. And it was, I mean, it was amazing. I was able to be my own self in the process. Mm-hmm. And my lesbian you know, lesbian entourage. Yeah. So is there like, okay, so like if we look at like a power gay, mm-hmm. so power gays are individuals who are, I don't know, um, they tend to be men that are well established, mm-hmm. that have like, you know, they, they give to charity, uh-huh. you know, they're partnered. You know, they have kids and the dog. And the dog, right. What is, like, a power lesbian? That sounds very similar. So what... what Wealthy. Like, what's the age of being a power lesbian? I would say in the, th- in the late 30s, mid-30s. Okay, so ladies out there, there is still hope. There is still hope, ladies. So, so be a power lesbian. 
you need to be what? You need to be very, have a professional job. A license from the Office of the Professions in New York. That's right. And then uh, you are looking good all the time. What does that mean, looking good all the time? I mean, it is kind of the same. Kind of put together. I'm having a stereotype of an Ellen DeGeneres kind of Portia. Is she, oh, Portia, she's a power lesbian. I think she's a power lesbian. Is. I think Ellen is too. Yeah, definitely is. She gives to charity. She does. Okay. Always looking good, I think. Yeah, no. I mean, it's Her really, really good. Her style is nice. There was a recent thing, um, how she went to the baseball game football game yeah. football game with george w bush that's right and people were like raking her over the coals Mm -hmm. like my god i know just you know like we george w bush was you know it's so funny now that we look at george w bush i know and what we have now it's like i would like he is a saint compared to my god exactly Mm -hmm. so well, anywho, she so Ellen is a power lesbian. Yes, I would say so. When you were a child, mm-hmm. what were your cultural like references? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure I had. I think they were probably all street cultural references. I'm trying to think who they were. I mean, I was a big. I mean, if you would say today, what are like the big like lesbian? cultural references i mean i think as time goes on it changes right well there's more there's more and people can be out that's true and that's i was sitting you know these kids today i hate i'm now saying these you know when i was i teach some grad classes Uh and i mean these kids are in their early 20s right they're babies and like does anybody remember i had given some reference to i mean it was something like really you know a telephone in your home and they were just like what's that i don't know what that is wow i was like oh my god like how do you not know what these things are but as we get older we're not i'm not the hip 20 something 20 something anymore Mm. So, what are some other, like, stereotypes that you think are myths that you think are important to, like, break down? This may be part, you can answer this, but I think the, uh, who's the man, who's the woman in the couple is a myth. Sure. You know? People used to always say, like, who who's the dude? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, we're both dudes. We're both women. It's, it is really offensive. It is offensive when people bring that up. Because one, especially with more people and part of the work like you do, you do a lot of intense gender. Mm-hmm. Gender identity and, work. And so, one, you cannot assume that anybody in your situation that you encounter, you should just assume that there is a trans person around you. That's right. Or a non-binary. Absolutely. You know, Sam Smith recently came out as non-binary. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So oh. he's really, like, doing his deal. Wow. Mm-hmm. And That's he's awesome. like, I have no regrets, except, you know, he's, you know, he's, being able to be himself you know 
So, right. So, any other ones right now? I think it's important, like, as being queer parents, Mm -hmm. right? Even though my daughter is no longer with Mm. us, um, I, you know, having experience, it's to realize that, you know, it's a whole different experience. Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. And so when we're sitting in a situation where we look at privilege and people's experiences of privilege, you know, as I read that paper that you had written, there was just some parts in there that were really, like it took me back to my own experience Mm. of feeling like, what does that look like? And, what is my own experiences within the context of, you know, as being like a queer person? Mm-hmm. So what is that was back in 2006. What is right. it like now? You know, it's uh, I think things have changed. Like kids go to school and no, as far as I know, they haven't been discriminated against for having two mommies. Uh, some kids are envious but they have two mommies. Why do they think it? I don't know. It's a cute story, but my um, daughter at uh, one time was making cards for Mother's Day and said that she needed double the supplies. And a little boy asked, (laughs) why do you need so much stuff? And she said, well, I have two mommies. And he said, why? And she said, I'm lucky. And he said, you are lucky. Sure. So, I wish we would just story. do away with Mother and Father's Day. Agreed. I like, agreed with you. Because I agree with you 100%. Well, it's still. So there's a few holidays, a few fucking holidays that are really hard. Um, the day she was born, uh-huh. which is approaching. Okay. Like that has become That's more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so birthdays, the holidays, Christmas, my family, were, we weren't like christmas celebrators okay and so we weren't like huge holiday people uh-huh. but still you know you see people um the day of her death mm-hmm. and the day like mother and father's day sure that makes sense and people would not like say they wouldn't really understand that like you're going through this experience and sometimes like being discounted as a parent, like people like it's like, or you have a child of a single home Mm -hmm. and then like, it's like these parents will say, I am the mother and the father. Right. And I'm like, just stay on your day. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. So I think we should abolish. Right. Or even people who would love to be parents and cannot for whatever reason have to suffer through those days. I mean, I still, and that's something that I grappled with is still being a parent, Mm -hmm. even though she is no longer with us. That's right. And so I was sitting with the therapist. So after her death, right. Um, I've continued to see a relief powerful i've been seeing a therapist just to process the grief and Uh all those things so as i say every therapist should see a therapist absolutely and i was processing her grief the grief of losing her and it's almost like 
I was like, I was a father. Mm-hmm. And she, she said, just because she's not present here today does not mean that you were still not a father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're still her father. Sure. Yeah. And so, you know, the tape rolls on. The tape rolls on. You know, and yeah. I think it's, I think it's important. So when you are saying, here's a few things. So people for people that are, have straight privilege, right? Um, Just because somebody isn't a biological parent does not mean that their experience is any less. Right. So another thing is, is that Families are different in different structures. Correct. Right? And we should also be aware that, you know, to be mindful of people's experiences and never assume. That's right. Because when we start assuming, as my mama used to say, um, which I want to bring her on the show. Okay. I want to bring Kathleen on the the show show. to talk about what it is. I mean, she's very open. She is a minister's wife and she will talk about, she she was like Dr. Ruth. Wow. They're very like sex positive. Nice. Surprisingly, but when I was a kid, they didn't. (laughs) It's just like zip it up and don't get pregnant. Yeah. Anywho, oh, and the beat goes on, the beat goes on. <laughs> this has been an absolute wonderful time. Well, thanks for having me, Richie. Yes, I, you know, this is what this show is about. It's great. It's I'm really, glad you're doing this. I love to be vulnerable with the people out there. It's important, mm-hmm. right? We got to model vulnerability. We sure do. We need to be present. And again, people, if you have questions, ask somebody. Go on the internet. Yeah. Like there is a world. And there is a world. But I want to make a. So I really want to make it kind of clear. Like, be sensitive in the way that you ask questions. Right. Because I don't want to suggest that. I mean, if it's something that you're just who's the dad who's right. who's the who's the dude and who's the like the chick and the relationship there's a connotation and a meaning behind that absolutely mm-hmm. so if you're really wanting to know it's okay to ask it's okay to ask but is not my job or your job or any other queer trans person's job to um to provide a educational seminar and just because my experience is one thing doesn't mean that your experience has been different that's right or is very similar all right so if you'd like to connect with karen you can connect with her at karen k-a-r-e-n cynical S E N E as in Edward, C A L as in Lucy, therapy.com. Again, that's Karen Cynical, therapy.com. Thanks again, Richie. Yeah, so next week I will, in, in, unless there's something that 
pops up in the news or something that happens, I will be answering a series of questions. Thank you for sending those in. Um, if you have a question, feel free to uh, write in. You can catch me on the old Instagram. We need to get Karen an Instagram and a plenty of fish and a what is that bumble and bumble. Okay, got, girl we are going to get you <laughs> we're going to get you up in a, a up on a da- i will help you set up your dating profile right. site and you, if you want to if you are a lesbian and you are and you want to uh, find out more about karen <laughs> go to her websites uh, so yeah, next week I'll be answering uh, a variety of questions, and I'm really excited about that. So uh, again, my name is Doctor Richard Mills, and you've been listening to—I like to say this like a phone sex operator talk sex with Dick. Uh, seriously, if anybody is a phone sex operator out there. I would love to have you on my show. So, anybody who has experiences, I would love to have you on the show. So, again, you've been listening to Talk And if you and I will talk to you later. Until next time, take care of yourself. And around you. Talk to you